I'm Ed Randall, and you're listening to Baseball and Barbecue. This is Greg Lazinski, and you're listening to Baseball BBQ. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. Welcome to another episode of Baseball and Barbecue. We're so glad you've joined us on what we hope is one of your favorite or perhaps your number one podcast, which covers not only baseball, not only barbecue, but both baseball and barbecue. This is episode number 59 for those keeping count at home. I'm thrilled to be joined by my favorite co-host, Jeff Cohen. Well, I thank am, you, Len. I also happen to be your only co-host. <laughs> I am Leonard Aberman. And together, every other week, we join you to entertain you with an array of guests, features, and anything else we can think of which relates to baseball or barbecue. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm okay, Len. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm asking because, you know, you're where you are. I'm where I am. You know, we're definitely social distancing as we continue this whole pandemic. How have your, uh, your two weeks been? It feels like Groundhog Day. Over and over, same thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, the same, the same. The only thing that I will say is that we've been able to really get some good guests because we haven't had an issue with people not being home. Right. Before I forget, and I want to mention that we had the opportunity to speak to, we spoke to, well, on this episode, we're going to have Russ Salzberg, which we'll talk about a little bit when we introduce him, if people aren't familiar with Russ Salzberg. And Johnny McGuire, or as we like to call him, and most people do, Johnny Mags from the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast. Yeah, and you're going to want to stay around for Russ Salzberg because he has some great Yogi stories. Really, really good ones. And he was very close to Yogi, as he will tell you in the interview. And it was such, a, such an honor to have Russ Salzberg on the show, along with Johnny Mags. The people in the barbecue world will know about Johnny Mags. You know, it was really a two fun interview that we're going to feature on today's show. Oh, yeah. And then we also had the, oppor- the opportunity to interview Chris Lopresti from WFAN. We interviewed Ray Sheehan of Barbecue Buddha. And he has a cookbook out, award-winning barbecue sauces and how to use them. Fantastic book. We also interviewed Brett Topel of BT Talks Baseball. And he has this video series on YouTube. We also got the chance to speak to the people that did our barbecue song, uh, a barbecue song, baseball song, that we feature at the end of our podcast, Baseball Always Brings You Home, Dave Dresser and Shel Krakowski. We can't possibly put all these on one episode. But what we can do is we can tell you that Brett Topel has, like I said, has this fantastic video series every week on YouTube. He's already had on, let's see, John Matlack. John Lieber. Marty Appel. What? John Lieber. 
right, that's episode five, which he just released. He had on Frank Catalano. All right. Garofonzo. Right. Marty Appel. Right. And even though his his interview isn't going to be on this episode, we really want you guys to go check it out. It's on YouTube. Look up BT Talks Baseball. I think he has a, did he have a website or something where it was to find it? Yes, I believe it's bttalksbaseball.com. Okay. So I, I'm assuming, so that you can find it. Go on YouTube, you could find it. They're, they're short. They're only, I think they're like seven minutes each or something. And he's really creative. He has some very interesting features on him. So it's not just the players that he's talking to or the, the people that he's talking to. He has some other features. So until our interview comes out, Go look at it. And again, Ray Sheehan of Barbecue Buddha and his award-winning Barbecue Sauces and How to Use Them book. He's not going to be on this episode, but we recorded him. Buy the book. Buy the book. All right. So I wanted, I wanted to make sure that we get uh, those plugs out and support them because they were nice enough to come on the show, but we can't fit everybody in the episode, like I said. Thank you, Lynn. Absolutely. Everybody go uh, check them out. And by, by Ray's book, check out BT Talks Baseball. You know, it's it, it, just great interview that we have lining up in, in the future. Jeff, if we put everybody on uh, this one episode that we've interviewed, what, like a five-hour episode? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, then so, why don't we get to our first interview with Russ Salzberg. Our guest is a prime example of someone who took a little time figuring out what they wanted to be when they grew up but decided at age 32 to follow his dreams and become a sports broadcaster. He worked hard gaining experience in Canada, and in 1988, he was offered a sportscaster job with WOR-TV, which gave him the opportunity to come home to his New York roots. And since then, he has been as much a part of the tri-state area sports media as anyone else we can think of. Whether it was radio, TV, or both in the same day, he has been on WOR-TV, Fox 5 TV, City TV, Q107, 77 WABC Radio, and one half of the Sweater and the Schmoozer show on FAN Radio. He is a two-time Emmy Award winner, winner of several Associated Press Awards, as well as the prestigious Edwin R. Murrow Award. He's also involved in numerous charitable causes, including the Muscular Dystrophy Association, Archer Dimes, and the CJ Foundation for SIDS. Yet, with all of his success, he always comes across as just a regular guy who you feel you can sit down with and talk sports. And that is what we have been looking forward to. We are honored to welcome Russ Salzberg to Baseball and Barbecue. Welcome, Russ. Well, Lynn and Jeff, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's quite the introduction. And but you, you know what? The best part of the in- introduction, I, I'm very flattered with the kind words, but the, the nicest thing you can say to me is just like coming across like a regular guy to sit and talk with, because I think that's the most important thing in this business is uh, that's what you should be. You should be yourself. Just be a regular guy. So, yeah. uh, you know, it is kind of ironic, though. I'm, I'm just sitting here and... Just thumbing through today's New York Post, just to, maybe I'm going to digress for a second, but you mentioned starting my, my career, you know, in Canada, in Toronto, 
at City TV. And one of the first guys I got friendly with, first ball players that I got friendly with, passed away today. A former Yankee second baseman, Damaso Garcia. Oh, yes, I read so, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the irony of you just talk about that, and I'm looking at the little article in the uh, in the post. But anyway, guys, having said that, again, glad to be here. Let's talk, whatever you want All to right. talk about. Well, you also, speaking of former Yankees, you had a very special relationship with uh, one of my favorite Yankees, Yogi Berra. Want to tell us about that? Well, just one of the best people. Uh, one of the best people. I was going to say one of the best people I've met in sports, but that would be unfair. One of the best people I've met in my life. Just a. Um, I'm very. Uh, I got emotional talking about it. Just an extraordinary. I miss him. I miss Yogi every day. I, I was fortunate to forge a relationship, you know, 30 years ago, it's about 32 years ago when I first arrived uh, and it carried on through then. And I'd say, you know, Leonard Jeff for the last oh, year and a half of his life after Carmen, his lovely wife passed away, Yogi was in an assisted living place, very nice place, not far from me in, in Jersey. And I was with him every week for the last year and a half of his life. In fact, I was with him on the day that he died. I'll tell you when it was. It was, for your Jewish listeners, it was Erev Yom Kippur. Mm -hmm. It was was the day of, and it was the only time that he didn't know I was there. And I was there with somebody from the Yogi Berra Museum and his granddaughter, Lindsay, and uh, when I left, I knew that was the last time I'd see him. And I got a phone call at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, just because you bring up Yogi, I got a phone call at one o'clock in the morning from Lindsay saying Graham's uh, passed. And so, so you know, my wife asked, who's that? Who, you know, I so told her what happened. So now I'm sleeping. Now it's Yum Kipper the next day. I'm not orthodox, but you know, as most of us, we don't work on Yum Kipper, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So uh, my wife comes in at about six o'clock in the morning, six thirty, whatever the hell it was, and she goes, "I just had a uh, conference call with your daughters. You know, both my daughters are married, and uh, yeah, you're going to work today." And so I just looked at her, you know, because I didn't think they wouldn't want me to work. No, you're going to work today. Yogi died, and you got to talk about it. Mm. And that's what I did. I called up, uh, you know, the new the news director, and he says, "Well, Russ, I can't ask you to come in." So I says, "Okay, well, I'm telling you, I'm coming in." So, and I was glad I did. And you know, it was yeah, very special guy. You you know, people think who don't know him, or, or you know, it's like they think he was this character from the Aflac commercials and everything right. else. Right. Yogi was a bona fide superstar. Oh yeah. I mean, he he not, he wasn't a good player. He was a bona fide superstar, three time MVP. Oh my God! Yeah. Just an extraordinary guy, and, and and just a very special person. Very special. I'll, I'll I'll give you a quick Yogi story. He's sitting in his chair. It was his wheelchair at the time. We'd always, you know, watching a ball game on a Saturday afternoon, or it was a Sunday afternoon. And you guys remember. When Buster Posey got 
barreled over and, and broke his sure. leg real bad. Okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then and they then made the posy rule. rule. And then, okay, and then they made the posy rule. So I go to Yogi. I go, well, Yogi, you know, I'm not talking just like you because Yogi had all his marbles, all his marbles. Yogi, what do you think of this? What do you th think of this new rule? He goes, ah, BS, blah, blah, blah. I go, really? He says, listen, you got to know how to block the plate. Now, he's sitting in his wheelchair. He's showing me with his feet. You, he goes like this. Dickie taught me. Now, Dickie, Bill Dickie. This is one Hall of Famer talking about another Hall of Famer to some kid from the housing projects in Brooklyn. He says, you put your feet on each side of the corners of the plate, you block the corners of the plate, you give him the inside, and then you put the glove down. And he's talking like that. And I'm saying to myself, how lucky am I? I got this Hall of Famer talking about another <laughs> Hall of Famer teaching him how to catch. It was like, like I had a pinch myself. I actually, when I left, I sat in my car and I got emotional over it just because who has that who, who, who's lucky enough to be able to tell that kind of story absolutely you know russ I, it reminds me of when i took my son I, he must have been he's 19 now he must have been i don't know 13 14 at the time to the yogi bear museum in, in montclair new jersey and i was we were looking at the picture of that famous picture of jackie robinson stealing home plate yogi bear yep. was uh catching and the guy the docent there said to him said to us you know i was explaining this picture and and, and yogi comes up behind us and he said he was out <laughs> oh uh, he'll, he'll say it all the listen to me i grew up an ardent dodgers fan okay i mean the first game i ever went to was at ebbets field i mean i must have been like five years old which i don't really remember well except i thought it was the coolest thing in the world but you know you grow up you're, you're my father was a dodgers fan so i was a dodgers fan uh you know the Brooklyn Dodgers weren't really my Dodgers. You know, the L.A. Dodgers and, and the Koufax Dodgers, those guys were, were my guys. But, so, <laughs> that's the other thing I think of. I used to sit with Yogi all the time, and we talk about that, and here I was, I grew up a Dodger fan, and the closest person that I've ever had in my life in sports is a great Yankee. You know, the, the the most winningest, not the most winningest Yankee of all time, the most winningest player of all time. Sure, 10 world in, championships. In terms, of, in terms of 10 world championships, yeah. So very, okay. very, very fortunate to be able to say Yogi Berra was a friend. That's yeah. And it's Fantastic. nice, too. It goes back to your being, you know, just a, the everyman, where you, that was something... It excited you. You didn't take that for granted, that well, the fact that you're but, with Yogi Berra. But, but you know what, guys? More important than that was that was Yogi's attitude. Yeah. Yogi was the everyman. But, yeah. See, Yogi was the bona fide star that couldn't give a rat's ass about being a star. Mm -hmm. he, he just loved being one of the guys. He loved being at the ballpark. He loved kibitzing. I mean, I, his his golf tournament, let, let Yo rest in peace, his golf tournament, you know, when they were all around, uh, he loved getting together with, and, and the people he used to attract and all his old teammates used to come. I'm telling you, uh, Moose Gowan and Hank Bauer would sit with Yogi and we'd sit at a table and they could do a stand-up, you know, Scourin and, and Bauer, 
and, and Yoki, it was just, it was wonderful. But he was the most unaffected, bar none, and I mean second and close, he was the most unaffected guy who was a star. Great player, great everything, most unaffected of anybody I've seen. That's amazing. Yeah, Any sport. I, I do I, I do have a Yogi question for you then. When he was managing the Mets in 1973, I, I, I was speaking to Ed Cranepool, and he, he disagreed with Yogi's decision to, to pitch Tom Seaver in Game 6. Now, uh, I, was, I was too young to remember. I mean, I do remember the World Series, but Tom Seaver pitched Game 6 on three days rest, and it was... They lost the game, but he didn't pitch that bad. I mean, he he was Tom Seaver, and he was just outpitched by Catfish Hunter, two Hall of Famers. Listen, sometimes that happens. Yeah, you know, you know. I, I, listen, I guess if you're on the team, you, you know, you remember those things. Whether two days rest, hey, you want to talk about something? A pitcher pitching on two days rest. Yeah. In the, in the 1965 World Series, all right? I did say I'm a Dodgers fan. So in the 1965 World Series, if you recall, Koufax didn't pitch the, was it the opening day of Yom Kippur. So right. pitch a second. And so he came back on three days rest to pitch game five. He came on back on two days rest to pitch game seven. By the way, both of them shutouts, and, mm-hmm. and I think both 10 strikeouts. But Walter Alston picked him to go on two days rest of game five, bypassing fellow Hall of Fame at Don Drysdale. Right. <laughs> so think about that. Sure. No, but my you point know, was Tom Seaver pitched that, a great game that day. He just got outpitched. You know, yeah, it wasn't, it was, I don't think it was a mistake that he pitched him. No, it's a gut. You know, that, I, I'm never one of those guys to second guess on that stuff. Never been. It, it's just too easy. Like, it's too easy to be, you know, the Monday morning quarterback or the second guesser. You know, and, and you know, that's what part of my French pisses me off with certain analysts. Like, do me a favor. You want to be a first guesser? Be a first guesser. Don't be a second guesser. If you put up, you, you want to put, put your courage on the line, do it up front. Not, not a second guess. Oh, that's a bad play. You know what I'm saying? Right. Say sure. Yeah. Russ, let's go back to you. All right. You you became, at 32, you became a sportscaster. And, you know, it's funny because I have a son who's uh, about to graduate from college. And he's talking about, you know, I, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I'm trying to tell him, you know, you don't need to decide right away. Now, you made the decision at 32. What was the final thing that just said to you, I've got to follow my dreams? Well, uh, you know, let me, let me clarify something. I, I didn't dream about being a sportscaster. I always loved sports, okay? Played it my whole life. I always loved sports. You know, the guys in a bar in college, uh, you know, I was the, the trivia guy and this and that. Always loved it. But, no, I got out of college, came back home to New York. I was selling business machines. Got an offer two years later to go up, sell real estate in Toronto. I was familiar with Toronto because my mother, let her rest in peace, was originally from Toronto. So I went up there. After two years, I brought my girlfriend, who's now my wife of 41 years, uh, up. And uh, I was selling real estate. And now, it was I guess I was selling it, what the hell was it? 
I guess I'm selling it for about seven years and I just had enough. I wasn't liking it. So now in my mind, I'm figuring out what the hell I want to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm 32 at the time. I already have at the time a 16 month old daughter. So what do I do? So I come home and I announced to my wife. So she's got a lot of goodwill built up. I announced to my wife, listen, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. What do you want to do? I want to be a sportscaster. And basically, for a year, I was a house daddy watching my, uh, while my wife went to work, basically training myself. And then I'd call up like the local community cable stuff to do whatever I could. And I mean, I was, I was doing, first thing I ever did uh, TV wise was uh, wheelchair basketball. And to me, it was like doing the seventh game of the NBA finals. You know, that's what it was. Uh, I won a radio job at Q1. You mentioned Q107 in your opening. Uh, so to win the radio job, you could be Joe Sports Fan, Joe Sports Fan for three months, making a dollar seven an hour for three, for three <laughs> hours in the morning. They kept me for three months after that. You know, a little more than that. Then I was making maybe a hundred and fifty dollars a week for doing that. And then City TV heard me and put me on. And four years later, I was at Channel Nine here in New York. Yeah, that is that's an amazing that's but, an amazing but, thing. How, how do you? Let me just say something. What you just said, and this yep. goes for anybody listening, whether they're sports fans or if parents are worrying about their kids. What you just said about your, your son, who's 19, I could not agree with you more. Too many kids and too many parents put pressure on the kids. It's okay to change your mind. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be locking yourself into, I got to do this, I got to do that. You, you know, it's okay to change your mind. Sure. You know, don't, don't lock yourself in and put that ridiculous pressure on. You know, it, it's, you, you got to be able to like what you do but you also got to be you have enough courage to be able to change your mind you know right. believe me i changed my mind at 32 but you know part of the decision making then was i better do it now because changing your mind at 42 when your family is larger you know, it, it gets harder as we get longer in the tooth sure All right so you spent so in our 50s jeff in our 50s we're we're our goal is to be professional podcasters. There you go. <laughs> we better let's do it now. <laughs> Absolutely, Russ. You spent the yeah. I remember watching you. You're a fixture on WOR TV and Channel Nine, and then back on Channel Five. I remember right. you uh, listening to you on WFAN. I, but I didn't really realize it was seven years. That was a that was quite a run. That's a long run in radio. Oh no, we had we, Steve Summers and myself had a very good run. We liked it. We 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 were doing very well. You know, to this day, quite frankly. You know, and I, I talk with Steve now and then. In fact, I had Steve on my own podcast, my own Get a Load of This podcast. And, you know, I firmly believe part of the reason at the time we were, they decided to, to make a switch was financial reasons, you know, making too much money. I, I, to this day, I believe that. But, you know, no hard feelings. Mark Chernoff, uh, program director, remains a good friend. So, uh, you know, you just move on in the business. But uh, I liked it. It was fun. Yeah, you guys were fun to listen to, that's for sure. Yeah, I enjoyed it. The sweater and the schmoozer was really, it was it was part of, you know, part of my daily routine. I mean, yeah, to turn it on, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we, um, we, we had fun. So, Russ, you 
you know, you've covered so many major sporting events in New York. Now, of course, this is baseball and barbecue. So we're going to focus on baseball. But I know that you've covered the Giants, uh, the football Giants. Right. And, and, but I'm, I'm going to keep it to baseball. Okay. So in, in your oh, – this is, you know what, this is such a – I was going to say, what's the best baseball-related interview you've ever done? But I th- that might be difficult. So if, 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 there's not, if there's more than one, you tell me. But if there's one that sticks out, then go oh, man, the best baseball-related interview. I, I don't know that I want to say it's the best. Mm. My, my, my most, probably many of my most, you, you know what? My most favorite was Yogi, not because we're talking about Yogi, but right. when they were closing down, getting ready, when it was the last year at the old stadium. And, and Yogi was already slowing down, but, you know, he could still walk around and, and what, you know, uh, Carmen was still with him. And, you know, it's like, he met me at the stadium on an early morning, like when I say early, like 9, 9.30, you know, we wanted it quiet and what. And it wasn't as quiet. They were watering the grass and everything because we wanted to do take a trip, you know, down memory lane. You know, this is Yogi, and we're going to talk about this is going to be it. Right. And, 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 you know, besides the interview, the various camera shots, you know, there's me and, and Yogi walking the uh, warning track from, from basically home plate to uh, Monument Park. You know, I'm, I'm walking with Yogi Berra. You know, that was special. Uh, I was also there the night Yogi and George Steinbrenner buried the hatchet at the museum. I was there for that. Wow. So so we had, uh, you know, there were a lot of good things. And you, you know, but there were things, you know, you remember championships and, and various things. But I remember, like it was yesterday, you know, I mentioned Damasco Garcia before. When they clinched the pennant, when the Blue Jays clinched the, 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 uh, their division, okay, they would subsequently lose the ALCS to the Kansas City Royals. But when they clinched the division, and they they beat the um, they beat the Yankees on the next to the last game of the season, uh, which by the way, on the last game of the season, basically they sent out a minor league team to face uh, Phil Nico, who won his 300th game on the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I remember being in the in the Blue Jays' uh, locker room for the celebration. And, you know, I was pretty friendly with guys like Lloyd Mosby and, and, and Jesse Barfield, who were later becoming Yankee, and right. Garcia and people like that. And they drowned me in champagne. And, like, I, I, I remember just having a moment back, you know, gazing... At the, at the locker room, you're just like kind of leaning against the wall for a second and saying, man, you know, like a year ago, I gambled to get into this business. And now I'm here now. And, and guys wait a whole lifetime and never get to be part of a locker room celebration. You know, so that's a very favorite moment for me. Yeah. You know, uh, I've been in other great championship situations in all the sports. You talk of baseball now, but you know, you know what? There's something to be said about you always remember your first. Sure. Let me ask you about one of my, I guess, most interesting managers. One of my favorite ones because he's a great storyteller, Bobby Valentine. Right. Uh, yeah. He 
I saw him at an event, and he told was telling the stories, and he's just uh, has a way of just connecting with people. What What do you know about him? And have you? I don't remember if you ever interviewed him or not. I'm sure you have. Oh, good, good, fr- good friends with Bobby. Very uh-huh. good guy. Like liked him a great deal. Loved his father-in-law. Let him rest in peace, Ralph. Ralph Franca. Loved his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but Yogi. Uh, uh, excuse me, Yogi. Oh no, Bobby's a really good guy. Bobby's a really, really good guy. But we always had a wonderful relationship. Yeah, I loved. I loved his story. A little bit, little bit of a character. You know, he could, he could come across a little strange at times. But listen, let me tell you, he not very not many American guys could go to Japan and be the success he was in Japan as a manager. You know, but Bobby could be quirky. Listen. I thought at the time the Red Sox were a perfect, perfect spot for him, and that completely was a disaster. So oh, yeah, that you know, blew up. Yeah. Some, sometimes things just don't work out. Sometimes things just don't work out. I, I want to talk quickly because I know we're running out of time. Do you want to tell us about you have a podcast? I've listened to it. Uh, both Jeff and I have listened to it. I mm-hmm. told you I enjoy very much. Get a load of this. You want to just. Tell our listeners how they can find it. Uh, well, you know. uh, well, I mean, it's on your Apple uh, podcast. And, and, and you can go to wabcradio.com or, or get the WABC Radio app. But, you know, my podcast, it's, it's not just about, in fact, it's a lot more than just sports. Yes, you know, it is. Uh, uh, for example, this one, I, I was off for a month. I had done 104 straight. 104 straight so that's two years then it's just pandemic going on you know we kind of got sidetracked a lot of stuff going on at the station so i was back this week and you know just talking about observations of the coronavirus but uh, you know i'll talk sports i'll talk politics you know things that are going on social issues and yeah. we, we, we've gotten a very uh very good response you know, one thing I wanted to, you know what, I'll, I'll stay on a couple more minutes with you guys because I was curious, you guys are baseball fans. I, I'm a big baseball fan, but I will tell you this, for all the baseball fans listening, as much as I miss it, if they're going to give me half-ass baseball to bring baseball back, I don't want it. I, I, I think this whole business of Arizona and, 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 you know, that stuff that came out that pitching coaches and catchers can't go to the mound and they're thinking about seven-inning doubleheaders. I want baseball. Yes. And don't worry about giving me 162 games. Maybe I'll give me 80 games, but give me regular baseball. Sure. Listen, guys, Len, Jeff, as far as I'm concerned, this baseball season is a wash. The NBA season is a wash. The NHL season is a wash. The only season that has a chance of being a real season is the NFL season. Right. Yeah, I, you're right. Just, you know, just because they haven't been interrupted and, you know, cut off, they're the only only one that has a chance. But, but yeah. you, know, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I, I got three little grandsons, five, four, and two. I miss hugging them more than I miss baseball. Of you course. Know, yeah. Of course. I, I, right. I, I, the sports has been very good to me. It's afforded me a very good life. Uh, you, you know what I mean. Right. And, and, and you guys sound like good level-headed guys. You know, you're talking about your son graduating. But for crying out loud, folks, 
yeah, but there's so much. You know, I see people dying. I see people suffering. I see people losing jobs. You know who I'm worried about? I'm not worried about the major leaguers. I'm worried about all the little leaguers. Sure. The, the eight, nine, ten-year-old kids. You, you guys probably play. You know what? Mm-hmm. You couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for Saturday morning to put on my uniform. Well, these kids aren't going to get to do that this summer. Right. I'm more, I feel bad for them. The major league is okay. So that that's my entertainment. I just if you're going to bring it back, bring it back the right way. Don't bring it back half-assed. Here, here. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, you know, I was going to ask your opinion about that, and I thank you for it. I mean, you talk about pitchers, you know, coaches can't go to the mound. I'm thinking, well, what about the first baseman? Can't hold on, can't hold well, the first base uh, runner on? Well, well I, I, that's, I, I, I actually also have a blog, so if anybody writes, uh, they can go to my website, since you're allowing me to plug, it's russsalsberg.com. And I did that. When I was off, you know, I wasn't doing my podcast, and it was like, "Are you kidding me?" So wait a minute. So the pitchers can't go like what you, and you just said. So you know, how do you hold on a, a guy at first? Now wait a minute. Does the, is the third baseman allowed to go over to talk to the shortstop uh, for strategy? Can the shortstop go to the second baseman? Well, wait a minute. When you got runners in first and third, are the first base coach and third base coach allowed to go talk to the men on base? It's so freaking stupid. Plus, you're thinking about a possible electronic strike zone? Yeah. Hello? I mean, this is moronic. Yeah. No, it's got to be brought back the right way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you can't put put this diminished product on the field. It's just, it's crazy. And then what are you going to have stats from the one-year stats? Because you certainly can't. Baseball is, uh, stats are so important. What are you gonna do? Say this, this, these are stats from the, you know, the wacky year. But could not, could not agree with you more. I, I, I think it's just a complete, a silly, silly notion. If you're gonna bring it back, bring it back right, or don't bring it back at all. There are far, far, far too many things more important to worry about. And I'm not, you know, I shouldn't just say baseball, all the sports. I, I don't care who's gonna be the NBA champion or the NHL champion. This year, because this year has been thrown out the window. There's just too many things to worry about. Yeah, that's the last thing people yep. are worrying about. There are people dying. I mean, exactly. Not I understand that that these people, that the athletes and the owners, you know, they're not making money now, right. obviously. But I, I just, it, you know, like I told you before, your podcast when you were talking about the good the people that are on the front lines of this, the nurses, the, nurses, the doctors, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Had, you know, the doctors that are living in, in uh, trailers in right. their driveways because they've been with patients and they can't go in their house. And I mean, and, and then I just, yeah, thinking of sports, it's just like, it's are you crazy. kidding me? Yep. Are you That's... kidding me? Yep. <laughs> I mean, anyway. seriously, Russ, you have been terrific. We greatly appreciate it. I thank you guys. Anytime, feel free to give me a shout. Enjoy talking with both of you. Thank you very much, Russ. Thank you. Take care, buddy. Take care, man. Thank you. Thanks. Glenn, that was fantastic. What do you think? That was great. Russ Salzberg is a legend. He's a legend in New York. He really is. I love those yogi stories. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. You know, I I don't think there's anyone that, that, you know, our age grew up uh, as a sports fan in New York that doesn't know who Russ Salzberg is, especially if you listen to FAN, 
He did right. that uh, sweater in the schmoozer show, I believe, for what you said, like seven years. Exactly. Um, on FAN. He was the sweater. He was the sweater. And of course, uh, Steve Summers was the schmoozer. Still and is. that was just, they were great together. And of course, he did Giants pre-games. On, on TV. Great interviews. So a regular yeah, and, guy. And yeah. check out his, he has a podcast called Get a Load of This. Now, it's just not sports related. He does go into some other opinions, some other topics. Very intriguing. You might agree with him, you might not, but it's very, it's an entertaining lesson nevertheless. Yeah, very entertaining. He just has, I mean, it's amazing that he almost didn't become a sportscaster because he didn't. Well, as you heard in the interview, he didn't become a sportscaster until uh, he was like 30, 32, 32, I think. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because he has, he, he's so good at it that can you imagine if he, if he never took the chance, he never right. decided, uh, you know, to take right. the chance. And we talked about his close relationship with Hall of Famer Yogi Berra, and that's a nice segue to our next feature, the Hall of Famer of the Day. We haven't done one of these in a while, so Len. Hall of Fame of the Day is, have a drum roll. <laughs> Raleigh Fingers. Ooh. Raleigh Fingers, a Raleigh. Hall of Famer with three teams, mainly with Oakland from 68 to 76, San Diego, and then finished up his career in Milwaukee. He had a really great career because he started out as a starter, but He's mainly known as, he went in as a relief pitcher. Now, what makes him distinguish from other relief pitchers in the Hall of Fame, Gossage and, and Suter and Mariano and, and, and the like, well, not, not, not so much with Gossage and Suter, but with Mariano. Here's a guy who pitched over 100 innings for basically most of the time he was a relief pitcher. Now, like I said, he did start a couple, he started 37 of almost 950 games. He actually had four complete games and two shutouts. His high was 148 innings, 126 innings, 130. He, he would regularly do this. So that tells right. you it's more than just a, a one inning, or oh, one inning or, or four outs. He gets uh, and he's out. He he's in there for multiple innings. He was a Cy Young Award winner and an MVP in 1981, and multiple All Star appearances. What's your what's your memory of Raleigh Fingers? Well, the the one that's got nothing to do with his pitching is the mustache, the handlebar mustache. I mean, there, you saw that and you knew who he, you knew right away who he was. But yeah, I remember Raleigh Fingers. The name is so distinctive too. Fingers, you know, Raleigh Fingers. I mean, the whole he was. There was something about him that just was the. You, he was memorable, extremely memorable. He was and let, incredible let me, pitcher. Incredible, yeah. He was, he was fantastic. In, you know, he was, like you said, he came in two outs, I mean, two innings, three innings, you yeah. know, whatever it took to, to, to end the game. Yeah. Uh, he was also, he came in right when relief pitchers, you know, were, were actually becoming important. You know, it wasn't the guy who, uh, you know, had a mop-up role in the bullpen, right? Let me read his Hall of Fame plaque. Raleigh Glenn Fingers, Oakland, San Diego, Milwaukee. Career epitomized emergence of the modern-day relief ace as he approached legendary status with consistent excellence coming out of the bullpen. Relied upon sinking fastball to become an all-time major league leader with 341 career saves. Appeared in 16 World Series games for Oakland, winning two and saving six. 
AL MVP and Cy Young awardee in 1981. Obviously, we know that record for most career saves has been surpassed. But that at the time when he was elected in 1992, that was the record. Yeah. He was, he was one of the first closers that really, you know, was close a role. Right. You know, not some, not the guy who, you know, isn't a starter and just is relegated to the bullpen. He was one of the first closers. Because I think the closer, the save stat, I think 1969 was the first so, year, yes. right, that they started yes. keeping track. It used to be these guys, you know, they, they pitched as many innings as they could, and then some guy from the pen came in. Exactly. But he was, he was great. Yep, he was great. So yeah. let's get to our next interview. Want to give an intro to Johnny Maggs? Yeah, so the next interview, extremely entertaining. Johnny Maggs, I was fortunate enough to find Pit Life Barbecue. Um, it's a great podcast. It's Johnny McGuire and Michael Massiglia, which they go by Johnny Maggs and Messy Mike. They, they're on every Tuesday. Now, they, they do the podcast live, so you can actually watch it. It's at 5 o'clock. I watch it on YouTube, and it's, it's really entertaining. Of course, I'm able to watch it now because, you know, I'm home working, and 5 o'clock, I put it on. Now, with social distancing, Johnny Maggs, he's out of the studio, and Messy Mike is, I guess, from home. Very entertaining. Pit Life Barbecue. Johnny Maggs, incredible guest. And you're going to like this interview. And here is the interview with Johnny McGuire, a.k.a. Johnny Maggs. Our guest is one I'm very fortunate to have found. I was looking for barbecue podcasts and found an outstanding one called Pit Life Barbecue. As one of the hosts, he never fails to entertain. I'm hooked on the show, and I think I have Jeff hooked too. Named John McGuire at birth. He goes by Johnny Mags on his podcast. And if that's what his friends call him, then I hope, I hope that we can also call him that. We're very excited to welcome to Baseball and Barbecue, Johnny Mags. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks, guys. Glad to have glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So it's kind of a kind of a reversal here. Uh, although I have seen you interviewed. I saw you on was it Jim Ricer? Yeah, uh, Jeff, Jeff Rice from Jeff, Dead Broke yeah. Barbecue, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, most of the time you're doing the interviewing, so uh, this is a little, little turn, right? A little turn, yeah. I'm, ex- I'm, ex- I'm excited. This is going to be good. So now I've seen the, the live uh, episodes that you've done. As a matter of fact, I just saw this week with uh, Ray Sheehan, who Find you know, we know, oh. he's one of the best. Yes. Incredible guy, incredible guy for sure. And you are in a studio that is just, I mean, if you saw where we recorded, and of course now we're doing Zoom uh, because of what's going on, but if you saw where we recorded and where you record, I mean, it's like <laughs> night and day. So how'd you get started in that studio and how did the, the podcast begin? Tell us about Pit Life Barbecue. It all started... Just like a lot of guys, especially these days, they all got started with, with watching Barbecue Pitmasters on TV. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you get hooked on that show. It was produced wonderfully. And you get that feeling of, hey, I can do that. That doesn't look too difficult. Let me give it a shot. Da, da, da. And one of my good friends, Kevin Yor, who literally grew up the, across the street from me, he called me one day and said, hey, I know you 
on the grill and everything. I just left our local Walmart. They have an Oklahoma Joe. They got two of them sitting there on clearance for $80. So I ran up, picked it up, put it together, and it just, just got going, you know, trial and error type stuff. And then he had started a Facebook page called New England Pitmasters. And so we all joined and, you know, sharing the photos and, you know, tips back and forth, helping each other out. And his brother-in-law, Chris Crawdaddy Crawford, who was actually one of our original hosts with, at the, with the podcast, it was three of us originally, he was doing a, uh, I think he had like a 17-pound brisket going on one Saturday. And after work, I swung by and, you know. How, how, wait, 17 pounds? Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. You hear that, Jeff? I heard. I heard. <laughs> 17 pounds. Yeah. It wound up being like a 24-hour cook. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. So we're there. We're, you know, taking it off the pit. And we decided to have a couple, you know, hanging around the garage, hanging out the driveway with the family, the wives and kids, friends. So we start having a couple sociables. One thing leads to another, and one of the guys hops on Facebook Live and is just walking around the garage. We're all talking, you know, what we're using for, a, you know, a sauce, blade, whatever, because we did wound up throwing some ribs and stuff on. And so we went out to all our friends on Facebook. So I got to work on Monday, and needless to say, I caught some, uh, caught some flack from some of the boys. And they were like, you know, what kind of redneck stuff was that? <laughs> I'm like, it was, I go, we're just having some fun. He goes, it was entertaining as anything. I'll get up. All right. Okay. For years, I always listen. I'm, I'm a mailman by trade. So I'm out on the streets all day. And for years, I always listen to sports radio, uh, WEEI out of Boston. Right. And a few years back, it it got in, intolerable. You couldn't listen to it. It was all all political stuff. The Boston Herald and the Boston Globe, the two local papers, were back and forth fighting with each other, and that's all they were talking about. They they were barely covering any sports at all. So I said the heck with it, and I had was listening to a few podcasts, and a, a good friend of mine, David Garofalo, from Two Guys Smoke Shop, he's had a podcast. He just hit his um, 10th year of his podcast, The Cigar Authority. So I was listening to a couple of ones. I'm like, let me see what I can find about Bobby. You know, because that, that comment from the guys at work stuck in my head. And I listened, found a couple of them. And the first couple that I found were garbage. It was, so it wasn't ours. No, no, it wasn't <laughs> you guys. It, it was Let's a couple of other ones. And, you know, they were talking about, like, point systems, but it was all very monotone. Right. You know, so then, you know, I found you guys. I found uh, Greg Rempe <laughs> from Barbecue Central, Malcolm Reed, you know. And I'm like, okay. I, but with the other ones, I'm like, we can do this. So back to how we got started, I brought the subject up to the guys a couple of days later, I go, what do you think about doing a podcast where we sit around, talk about barbecue, talk about the cooks? They're like, yeah, we don't, we, we've thought about talking about it before, but we just don't know how to start. I go, well, lucky enough, my friend Dave at the smoke shop, he actually built 
a podcast studio on the second level of his smoke shop, which is the studio we're in. So we had the avenue and all that. So we sat down, we talked to him. He's like, yeah, let's roll. You, I think you got some. It's very, it's different for the New England area, but let, let's give it a shot. So we tried like a quick, you know, practice one to just get a feel. And it worked. We're like, okay, we'll start next week. And we're, uh, we're going on two years now. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, we, we just passed our two-year anniversary back in December. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. So when you barbecue, your backyard, you're in your backyard, how many cookies you got back there and what type are they? <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I have, let's see. I got my, the Oklahoma Joe Highland Offset. I got two Weber Kettles. I have my son's little... Smoky Joe. I got two Blackstones. I got a 28-inch and a 17-inch flat-top griddle. And then we're actually in the process, as you could probably see behind me, I got a little chaos going here. We just purchased a house on Tuesday. So we started, started the packing process. Uh-huh. So oh, congratulations. We, yeah. We, we started cleaning out the garage yesterday, and lo and behold, I found another smoker. Ah. <laughs> you, you found a smoker. I oh, found. That, I found. That's the, how um, you know you have too many. <laughs> yeah, if I, you find one. <laughs> yeah, I found a, Brink, a Brinkman bullet, so very similar to the um, the Weber Smoky Mountain. Right. So I'm sitting on you know six or seven different types of cookers for different things, and there's with the new house, there's room for more. But oh, yeah, so cool. you know I got those, and it's just fun. I can do yeah. multiple things and just enjoy it. Well, I'll tell you something quickly, John. So a couple of things. One, Pitmaster show that you were talking about. Yeah, I went out and I ran out and bought a Weber Smoky Mountain. All right, so I also. Second is you, Jeff, and myself have something in common. There is not anybody that's going to talk to us and question where we're from. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Sure. All right. I mean, people people talk to me and they say they could tell me the street that I live on. I mean, that's you know. So the first time I heard you, I'm like, oh, these guys are out of Boston. <laughs> um, and 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 it's just so funny because when I got so I have a, a a Weber Smoky Mountain, and then I have a pit barrel. Jeff has a pit barrel. When I got the pit barrel, my wife said to me, oh, so then you really don't need the Weber Smoky Mountain. I laughed. No, no, no. This is in addition to. She said, you know, is this replacing? No, no. It's in addition to. <laughs> you, you, you need to describe it as accessorizing. Right. <laughs> you know, you got that purse with your shoes, but if you can't wear these, the other shoes with that purse. So you need, each, each cooker has a different function. That, that's the trick yes. on how to get it by. So, John, you're up in New England. You, uh, I think you're from, you said you're New Hampshire. Cold, it snows. Are you cooking full year, year round? Oh, all year, all year long, all year long. We, um, I, I was from uh, a, t- a town, Massachusetts originally, a town about uh, 10 miles outside of, north of Boston called Woburn, Woburn, Massachusetts. That's where I was born and raised. And we moved up here um, 12 years ago uh, when we got married. So I've always been in New England, but yeah, I cook all year long. 
all year. John, long. I go ahead. No, I, no, I didn't go ahead, cut you off. No, I was just going to say I spent. I lived in Waltham, Massachusetts, for a while. Okay. This was years ago. Did an internship in in Boston. I I took the. I didn't take. Was it the T? Is it the yeah? Right. Didn't take the T. I took the the other line. You know, the regular train. Yeah. But every day, and then when I wasn't doing the internship, I worked at Filene's. Chestnut oh, that's a Hill? name I haven't heard in a long time. You know, oh, is Filene's not around anymore? No, not not in this area. There used to be wow. always. I remember my mother dragging me always to Filene's basement in Burlington mm -hmm. Center. It's <laughs> right. like, oh, okay, let's go. <laughs> John, yeah. I I visited Boston a couple of times. Oh yeah, nothing wrong with that. Jeff actually, did I've been to Fenway a couple of times. I love Fenway. Yeah, yeah let's you, talk uh, you know, Tell us some of your memories in, in Fenway since you have your Boston Red Sox shirt on. Oh, man. My friend, you know, it, it, oh, it, oddly enough, and unfortunately, I forgot about it. It's downstairs in the garage. My whole life, I've always saved uh, ticket stubs because I had seen my father. My father was, he's a huge baseball fan, a naturalist. And every game, whether he's there or sitting on the couch, he always scored each game. And when he would go to the game on each, he just had stacks of uh, scorebooks and each each when he would go to a game he would staple the ticket stub to the upper right hand corner of that particular scoring page so I remember seeing through it and I remember it was the red the Detroit Tigers at the Boston Red Sox either May or June of 1987 that was my first baseball game with my father I'm pretty sure the Red Sox lost. Calvin Schiraldi was the pitcher. I remember Calvin. <laughs> we love Calvin yeah. in, uh, for the, from the Mets fans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Game six and seven. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was my that was my first professional baseball game ever, and I'll I'll always remember it. And then the second was second one in my memory was maybe a couple years after that. Boston Red Sox versus the Texas Rangers. And my all-time favorite, Nolan Ryan, was on the hill. Mm -hmm. So uh, I went with my grandfather. And, oh, man. He, great memories, you know, right? he, Great memories. He was, able, he was able to get tickets right down behind home plate. So you could just see the Texas Express bringing the heat. And, you know, as a little kid who, you know, playing Little League, pitching, pretending I'm him, you know, a combination of him and Roger Clemens, you know, to see him in real life and, you know, I, I consider him one of the, one of, if not the greatest pitchers of all time. You know, how to, it, it's funny because you were talking about the, the Red Sox and Jeff, then Jeff says, yeah, Met fans love Chiraldi. But then you mentioned Nolan Ryan, which is another dagger in Mets hearts because, you know, he was, we know a Met and yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't think, I, Red Sox fans, we, hate the Yankees right I mean that's we know that but what's the Red Sox feelings towards the Mets are they over 88 is that done with now that you've won some World Series oh yeah after after that or 86 first, I should say 86 yeah. I'm sorry a a after that first the first championship the the whole 86 season went out the window as far as I can tell they started interviewing Bill Buckner again and had him coming mm. out, throwing out first pitches to right. standing ovations when right. 
for the longest time, he couldn't show his face in the city of Boston. You know, never mind walk into Fenway Park. But yeah, after that first championship, I think always the the whole '86 season was put in the past. All right, let's now we're gonna we jump around a lot on this podcast, That's so fine. let's go back to we'll go back to barbecue for a second. John, I'm coming over for dinner, and I want you to make me your best. You know, impress me. What are you making me on the barbecue? Let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna put on a a little array. So we're definitely gonna do some ribs. We're gonna do some chicken legs for sure. Maybe we'll 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 throw a pork butt in there for some pulled pork. So nice. we'll do the, the ribs in the in the butt on the smoker. Then I've been doing my chicken legs lately on the Weber kettle with the uh, with the vortex insert. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, they have been coming out knockout. Really. Bite through skin. It it crisps that skin mm-hmm. up. I think it's just that high heat. You know, just you can just bite right through it. Uh, it stays moist and it's phenomenal. What what is the most unusual thing that you've cooked on on your uh, on your barbecues? Smoker, grill, what whatever. Uh, for me, would be uh, lobsters. Really nice. Smoke smoked so some lobsters last year for the first time. And I'm believe it or not, New England guy, I don't like seafood. So you know, I don't know. I just that it was it's just the texture and everything. As far as I as far as seafood I delve into is a tuna fish sandwich. Uh-huh. You know, but my wife likes lobster, so I grabbed a couple one day and gave it a shot and oh uh, from what they tell me it came out incredible. Between her she had it and my neighbor had it. And it was cool, you know, cook them just like you normally do, boil them, then I, I have them, clean them all out, then threw them, on the, threw them on the smoker for about an hour, hour and a half with some, um, you know, melted some butter, garlic, other seasonings, wiped that on the meat, and, you know, cracked the, uh, cracked the claws to get some, get the smoke in there, too. It came, from what they say, it came out... Uh, Came out phenomenal. I'm in that. I'm going by word of mouth because <laughs> I ain't eating it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Johnny, if I said to you, money is no object, right? Money's no object. What what smoker are you buying? A Jambo. Nice. Yep. Jambo yep. from Jamie Greer down in Texas. I think I think it's one of the best cookers out there. You know, obviously you see it with all the big guys doing it. But it's rang true with a lot of the um, a lot of the guys taking grand champions. Well, what you cooking on Jambo? Jambo, right. buy a because uh, what's Jamie's slogan? Buy a Jambo, win a prize. You know that's one of the, one of his slogans that was I remember from the show. But yeah, if money was no object, I'm I'm buying the uh, the Jambo. John, do you compete in any competitions? A few here and there. The competition circuit around here is as far as KCBS ones go there's only really about four during the year in this area and that's between I think there's one down the Cape one in Massachusetts right on the Connecticut line and I think the uh, another one is in New Jersey mm. but in, as a mailman that gets tough right because right. I work on Saturdays right. so yeah. you know trying to 
coordinate the days, but there's, we do a lot of like the small local breweries. They put stuff together for competitions during the summer. So we jump on those all the time. And that, that's just such a great time. Yeah. yeah one of the com- camaraderie and, and just the hanging out with the fellow uh, pitmasters and just hanging out and having fun. Oh yeah. You know, and, and, and it's great. Cause there's a couple of guys who um, they got the restaurants in the area and barbecue restaurants. So, you know, they'll come in and I remember the first year we did it, we, we swept the whole thing. So we, we took, took grand champion on first place on it, on all the categories. And man, this one guy, he was furious. How are you guys back, back, backyard smokers, weekend warriors? You know, I have a, you know, established business. What, what do you, what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> you you were set up next to us. We traded. You you gave us. You asked for one of our ribs. You gave one back, and I bit into it, and it tasted like air. It had no flavor to it. I go. I don't know what to tell you. You know, I got lucky. Then we just kept on winning them. <laughs> so nice. we would do. We're doing something right. Let's go to your show now. To to show you that I am a listener. The you guys have done some challenges on the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, Jeff, I don't know if you've heard these because these are back. I don't think they've done one in a little while, but you did an eggnog. That was the one I really remember drinking. Uh, yeah. What was it, like a gallon of eggnog? It, it, was, a, it was a half. He, ch- he challenged me to a half gallon. Um, yeah, no, I came up with it. I told him, I go, you want to do another challenge? Let's do it. It was right around Christmas. And I go, let's do a half gallon eggnog chug. <laughs> yeah, it went went well for me, but <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he got Mike got into maybe he got like a glass and a half into it, and that was that was the end of him. But yeah, he he had originally brought it up with the the burrito challenge. So we did a we did a f- five pound burrito challenge. So he was like a that. local local um food truck called bees tacos They're up here in new hampshire and he, he he made up the burritos and well we just had at it i'm like i don't know what you're trying to prove him you know to mike and i'm like okay i'll do it i go you're gonna lose i go look at me i go i didn't get this i didn't get this nice figure for you know <laughs> eating slow <laughs> and, and yeah it, and then john one other thing I heard it actually uh, on on the show you were on. What's the deal? Something with uh, a lot of stitches. You, you got a story to tell? You had uh, 27 stitches or something. Is there a story there? Yeah, there's a story there. I wound up with 34 stitches a couple weeks back. I got in. I started watching um, YouTube. When, when we first started a podcast, one of the, the guys, his friend, Kenneth lives down in Texas and he was going to be on this show called the hot seat with CJ and Kent on CJ's YouTube channel, cooking with CJ. So he does an interview show every Thursday night. So I watched it and the, the two of them, CJ and Kent, they just had a nice vibe together. So I got into watching it every week, jumped in the chat, started getting to know a lot of the guys started my own YouTube channel because we, we have one for the podcast, but that's run by the studio. So I can't really upload any cooks I do here at the house 
So I started my own. And we got into a lot of the guys started doing uh, lives. So just like this, they'll set up a Zoom meeting or whatever they use. I think on YouTube they use StreamYards. You just hang out, chew the fat. So a couple weeks ago, we did a live. I was only supposed to be on for an hour because one of the other guys was doing going to do a live ribeye cook. So I jumped on at seven, 6 or 7 o'clock. I got a message from one of the guys that he wasn't going on. He couldn't get the stream labs up and running, you know, keep doing the live. So we had a bunch of people in there and, you know, we're edging each other on and we're having, uh, you know, we're having a couple of drinks and one of my good friend, Eric from Camp House Barbecue in Texas, his tagline is get it. So every time he says, get it, you got to chug a beer. And so they all get a kick on how quickly I can do it. So I wound up chugging like three beers in a row. And then I'm drinking out of my regular tumbler. Needless, long story short, I wound up on this live for four hours. The drinks kept on flowing. Late night, got off, went out to take the dog out, wound up tripping myself up, and I fell. And you know, you seen the, like the patio edging bricks that like bubbled? Uh Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Landed right on that. Let's see if I can get in here. Ooh. Oh, wow. Wow. So it's the perfect shape and came right down. They yeah, tell me I got, I got lucky. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, wound up 36 stitches for wow. being a fool. Could have been yeah. worse, though. At least it missed your eye, right? Yeah. They, they said it, it missed the eye by like a hair. Uh, and you got, so. a, you got a Thanksgiving story for years to come. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Speaking for sure, of Thanksgiving, I... I tried to barbecue a turkey uh, last year, and it was an epic fail. Have you ever okay. done a turkey a barbecue you know, in your backyard? I, I do turkeys all the time. You know, we, we love turkeys, and I, I, I got a deep freezer in the garage. So around Thanksgiving time, I stock up on the, you know, the 39, 49, 59 cents a pound. You know, instead of, you know, a $30 turkey, it costs you 12 So right. I buy a couple of those, and I do a few throughout the year. And, yeah, once I, once I did it on the, on the smoker for the first time, I'll never go back. Um, you know, it, Jeff, it comes I, out I, incredible. I never, I never want to correct you, but, or, you know, step on your question. But I thought you were going to ask, John, have you ever had an epic fail? <laughs> And tell us about it. I expect me to have epic fails. You guys, not so much. Oh, no. We've all, listen, the one thing, if if you, I I forget who said it, but with barbecuing, to to get better, you're going to have epic fails. Right, John, you've had epic fails. I I mean, I'm guessing. For sure. For sure. My first one, it was salvaged, but... I still consider an epic fail. It was my first brisket ever. I've done points. I've done flats. But this was my first whole packer. And I was up all night. I threw it on probably about 9, 10 o'clock the night before. And it was just staying up. Got to about 5 o'clock. The body gave out. <laughs> Next thing you know, I woke up. It was like 7 o'clock. I'm like, oh, man. Went out. The fire's out, the temperature's at like 100 degrees. I'm like, oh. Uh, but, you know, salvaged that, came out edible. 
nothing I would turn in on a competition or, you know, it was good enough to chop up, mix with some sauce to keep the dry, get some moisture in there. And, you know, we had brisket sandwiches for a few days. But the one thing that has still gotten me is chicken thighs. I can't do chicken thighs to save my life. I can do them on the Weber kettle and they come out fantastic. But if I do them on my smoker, I just run temp issues. You know, I have the deflector plates for the even heat, but these ones will come in. I'll, I'll temp these ones. It'll be, you know, 140. All right, so we're getting there. I'll go to the left side, 117. Okay. So flip them around, get a little more, more even. All right, these ones are coming up temp. These ones are dropping. So I cannot cook chicken thighs on my smoker to save my life. They come out, wind up, look like hockey pucks. They're so dry, it, it's terrible. So chicken thighs, I do strictly on my Weber kettle. But yeah, every, every time, it, it's not even like I've remedied it. The only remedy, I don't even cook them on the smoker. That was the fix. Just do them on the kettle. See, Jeff, we all have yeah. it. We all have that. Never feel bad. <laughs> I mean, John, one time uh, we had this on a show. We did confessions. I had to confess on my, uh, on my pit barrel. I had ribs hanging. They were ready. They were done. I should have taken them off. But I thought, oh, I want to make them extra tender. He was arrogant. <laughs> yes, I was. So I, re I, I run in the house. I figure, let me take a shower because we were going to bring these actually over to my mother-in-law's to eat. Let me take a shower. And then I'll come out and I'll take them off and they'll be really tender. So I go and take a shower, come out. I'm ready to take the ribs off. The pit barrel smoker. I mean, there is so much smoke coming out of there. I'm like, what the heck's going on? There shouldn't be all that smoke. It's billowing out. So I lift the lid and through the smoke, I see a couple of hooks and no ribs. <coughs> it was like a piece of meat. They had the ribs, all the racks, well, two of the racks, two. I had three in there, I believe. Two had fallen in. They were in the coals, in the fire, and it was just nightmare, disaster. Oh, yeah. So that was an epic fail. <laughs> epic fail. And then another one I had was, how, what do you guys think about the, as far as ribs go, the three, two, one method? That's uh, not I a fan. Len is not a fan. That's what he taught me. Wait, wait, wait. The three, two, one, but I don't, okay. The method might be fine. You know, you, you have the ribs on, you can wrap them, you can, but the, but I don't go by the three, two, one. You got to go by when they're ready. So I'll have them on. It doesn't have to be three hours. If the, yeah. if the, if the meat is starting to curl back from the bone and they've, and they're closer to ready or whatever, I'll wrap them. If it's not three hours or maybe it's more than three hours. So the method itself is good, but it, but the three, two, one is bad. You know what I mean? If you stick yeah. to that rigid three, two, one, that's bad. The yeah. method is okay with the wrapping, but the timing, yeah. that's the problem. So, so yeah. John, I, I see we only have a few minutes left. Why don't you give us some plugs, uh, you know, your, your website, your, your, your podcast. Go ahead, give us some shameless plugs here. <laughs> well, you can find us on, as far as the show goes, you can find us at Pit Life BBQ podcast or Pit Life BBQ. It'll both 
in the search bar will come up on Facebook. Our live show is every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook on our Pit Life BBQ podcast Facebook page. Then after that, it gets gets uploaded to YouTube. So on YouTube, same thing, Pit Life Barbecue. Pit Life Barbecue, so Pit Life BBQ. Then my personal YouTube page is Johnny Mags BBQ, so J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-A-G-S BBQ. I'm new to the game, working on my editing right now. It's a hot mess. There's a couple videos up there, and, you know, they're pretty good. There's a couple quick, you know, hot dog and bean casserole one time that my mother would make back when I was a kid you know, did that on the kettle and stuff like that. So yeah, anywhere on Pit Life, Pit Life Barbecue on is pr- pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, whatever right. platform you use, we're on there. And I, you know, I thank my friend Dave Garofalo for that because he has all the licensing with the studio to get us on these platforms. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Facebook is where we go live every Tuesday at five Eastern YouTube, both Pit Life Barbecue and Johnny Mags, Instagram Pit Life Barbecue, Johnny HD or Johnny HD seventy seven. I can't even remember on Instagram. Just on Instagram, just hit John McGuire and you'll find me. Okay, it's it's a the podcast is great. Now I'm not saying it should replace ours as far as our listeners, but it's certainly if you are a big fan of barbecue, it's it's very enjoyable. Your personality, by the way, I'm sure I've got to check out your YouTube videos because you've got a great personality. And that's one of the things when you watch YouTube, you don't want just so this you do this and this. Your personality is fantastic. So I'm sure that your videos are great. And I, I hope that all our listeners will listen to your podcast, watch your videos. You're a pleasure to have on. And and I hope that now that you've been on. Our guests are friends of our show. You are now a friend. Thank I, you. I, I hope that you will come back because we would love to have you back on. I'd come back whenever you guys want and let, I don't, obviously I don't know you guys' schedules, but let's try to figure out a day that uh, we can have you boys on Pin Life. You got that it. Would be fin- that would be great. fantastic. Thanks. For sure. We'll, 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 we'll figure something out here. We got a, we got a couple dates I got to quite check on, but. No we'll problem. find an open date and uh, we'll make it happen. Thank you for joining us. Uh, good luck with the new house, John. Yes, good Thank luck. Thank you. That was pretty good, right, Len? Oh, yeah. yeah very entertaining. Uh, Johnny Mags, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. I saw that, I, I saw that he gave us a shout-out on their podcast, Pit Life Barbecue. Cannot thank him enough. Guys, We have no issue with anybody checking out any other podcasts related to baseball or barbecue. All we ask is that you come back to come to us. Right. Come to us first. Right. And everybody else could, you know, come and be after us. Right. But you know, we're not, we don't give it all. We don't give all the information. So you want to go to another podcast? That's fine. But stick with us and then goes to them. Not in replace to as an addition to. Addition to, yes. But wow, they are very enjoyable podcasts. They really, they, they have great guests on as well. And, and it's just, they, they have a lot of fun. You can tell they're having fun with their podcast. Yes. And now, Len, it's time to say goodbye. 
Uh, I hate this part. I've been another I, terrific podcast. I like so, Jeff. I like what's coming up right now, and okay. you'll tell us what's coming up. But I hate the part that we have to say goodbye. I know. From Dave Dresser and Shell Krakowski, it is the song "Baseball Always Brings You Home." Enjoy, and we'll see you next time.